Dörüm. 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 Bitch, we back. Sing with me, Shadow. Mm. This is episode two of the checkpoint. Y'all, I made it back for another episode. I'm proud of myself. I'm being consistent. Look at that growth. And yes, I know it's just two episodes, but hey, two is greater than one. And I'm just thankful to have made it through the work week because <laughs> going back to work, work the hell out of me. So I am thankful to be here, to be sane, you know? So thank you. Thank you guys for the support. I just want to say like, I am about 16 listeners away from making my podcast monetized because of you guys. You guys have really show support. You shared, you listened, you gave me feedback, you showed me love. I'm super, super, super thankful and really honored this whole process was something that I wanted to do for, I know, more than two years. And I always been inside of my head thinking, people ain't going to rock with you. People going to be like, look at somebody else doing this thing. But you guys have really, really, really showed so much support. Um, going back to when Brittany and I would do the the Insecure um, live show things, you guys have always stayed down with me. And you felt like I was somebody that you can listen to, that you can laugh with. So I'm thankful and blessed that you guys have allowed me to continue that um, that skill and that that passion to really want to communicate with other people and share my perspectives, my story, and really build community with you guys. So thank you for that. So I hope you guys had a great week last week, for real. Like I know a lot of us went back to the workplace. I know that's that's a task within itself to go from being on a winter break or being off and having to like start meetings at eight o'clock a.m. Ew. Disgusting. Super disgusting, Courtney. Why would you want to do an eight o'clock meeting? If you had a fucking job or a fucking business, you would know eight o'clock in the morning. That's so fucking tough. I'd be like, oh, girl, I didn't even finish my eggs. Can I just, oh, I'm so tired right now. But anyway, a few things that I want to talk about this week for our small talk segment. I saw something this week. You know what? Let me drink some water because I'm I'm, I'm going to be really pissed off. So give me a minute. Mm-hmm. I saw something on Twitter. Somebody had the audacity. The audacity. The audacity. That I don't know where they got it from, but it wasn't a regular kind of audacity. Somebody said that it's about time that we say that Beyonce should make this her last album because she has not been giving good content since Dangerously in Love. I'm going to try to curse you out without cursing you out too much, but I just want you to know whatever pit of hell you came from, I think you should return because what y'all are not about to keep doing is playing 
with Beyonce, Giselle, Nose, Carter, the 15th. Because I don't know how many times that man cheated. The 15th. As if she has not been working her ass off for over 25 years. This woman has been working since she was negative five. And y'all want to say that she has not gave consistent work, consistent performances to the point where she is now the epitome of what star power is. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. I don't get it. I shouldn't get it. And we shouldn't see it. Like, who do y'all think? Who do y'all think is a standard out there? For these artists, like, do y'all not know that Beyonce is your artist, favorite artist because of her, her talent, her, her talent itself is just, it's like, I can't even put it in words, man. For people who don't know music, oftentimes when y'all critique her singing, Y'all always say it's not soulful enough. That's questionable, but you can have that. But my problem is y'all say that she can't sing because you feel like she's not soulful, which shows me you don't know the technique and the art that goes into... Do y'all not know the breath control, the verbato that she has, the crescendo? The... What? Her voice is full of acrobatics that a lot of these singers can't do. Love on Top itself. Love on Top itself was an example of how these bitches can't go up another octave. Do you understand what I'm talking about? They gave up on a second. What I would prefer y'all do. What I would prefer y'all do. Is y'all just say, she ain't my cup of tea. Even then, that may piss me off because what kind of tea are you fucking drinking if she's not the tea? She is the I and the tea. I don't get it. But just say that you don't rock with her for whatever reasons. Just say that, you know, her style of music or her style of vocals is, is just not for me. But for you to say that she should retire because she hasn't done X, Y, Z, you done lost your damn mind. And when you find it, then you call me. Mm -hmm. In the words of Nene, you done lost your damn mind. And when you find it, you call me to say this woman ain't been given up that she has. Y'all told her that she wasn't pregnant. Y'all made fun of her child. Y'all made fun of her husband. <laughs> Rightfully so. But y'all made fun of her husband, right? And she still woke up each day, gave us art. And look at her now. She's so sick of you bitches that she has said, huh, get this album. And whenever I decide to come back, that's when you will know. That's when you will know. We waited six years for an album. And here we are waiting a full Remy Ma sentencing before the visuals because of you dusty, crusty, raggedy, ungrateful, hateful ass tricks. Because y'all just don't deserve talent. Y'all don't. Y'all run around here praising people who are mumbling when they sing. They're not adding 
layers of backgrounds. They're not adding warmth and texture to the music. And that brings me to another point. And I'm finna, I'm finna address myself too. I'm finna check myself. I'm finna check myself. I'm finna check myself. I'm finna check myself. For those of us that said that Normani was a next Beyonce. I just want to come to the front and raise my hand. I, Darius Antoine Johnson was also a part of that number, but I want to subtract myself from that number because clearly Normani is not clocked in. And if she's not clocked in, what am I showing up for? And I just want to say to Normani, I'm going to keep it real short. If you do not drop a project, not even a project, a full length album, because we can say project and it'd be a, a, a campaign with like Calvin Klein or something. If you do not drop an album in a year of 2023, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm sick of tired of waiting. I'm sick of tired of making excuses. When I found out that you did not want to release motivation because you didn't think that it was it, so what were you going to release? You didn't even ride that wave. When I found out that you put a rapper on the wild side, oh, my, 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 my. When are you going to trust your skill and your talent? Who is your A&R? Who is your team? Can I speak to them? I have so many suggestions. You may not do it because you don't want to work. Cute girl, though. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying she's not talented. Calm your tits, calm your tanks. I'm just saying, ah, 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 I'm tired of waiting. And I, after 2023, I will not wait for you any longer. Because I don't want to wait. Anyway, so, again, before we move on, I just want to encourage people out there. If you hear someone that criticizes Beyonce and they don't understand, like, you can tell they have, like, a surface level thinking of, singing and performing, I want you to offer them a ride. Just say, hey, you want to go with me to pick up something from Chick-fil-A? And I want you to go to the nearest, the nearest, like, just wooded area. And I want you to hit them close by the temple. Don't hurt them. Don't hurt them. I'm not promoting violence. Don't hurt them. Don't hurt them. Just hit them in the head with, like, a, a cap from a Coke bottle. And put them out the car. However they get back to work, that's on them. That's your fault. Had you not made fun of somebody or criticized somebody and said they were not talented, your ass will be at work earning your money. Now look at you. You're not a Beyonce fan and you're broke and you're stranded. There we go. It sounds fair to me. Damn it. Now, back to the main points. Uh... I probably should say, though, um, I hope you guys had a few laughter moments just then because I was uh, dead ass serious though about that person. I hope you had a few laughs. I may need to say trigger warning for this particular episode because it does involve some heavy stuff. It involves some things that I kind of wanted to talk about. <clears throat> Last episode, but that was, it was a little bit too much. A little bit too much for the first episode. I didn't want to run you bitches away. It was a little bit too much. It was a little bit too much for me. 
Um, when I say when I say the B word, it goes for any gender. Just like when I say niggas, that goes for any gender too. It's just how I am. I don't discriminate against who I'm talking to. I'm talking to all. But I wanted to talk about it last episode. Uh, one of the things that really led me to doing the podcast is I had a snap back into reality. Um, and I think snapping back to reality, I took some time. I'm still taking time to really think about my life and think about what I've been through and think about what I wanted to do, think about what I've accomplished. And it led me to this podcast. So prior to, how do I want to discuss this? Cause it's really layered. Um, prior to January, I was going through some things, personal things. Um, and while going through those things, I somehow lost um, connection with who I am as a person. Uh, I lost sight, rather, of the person that I thought I was, the person I thought I wanted to be. I was finding myself, I thought I was checked into reality. I thought I was checked in to the things going on around me. And I thought I was being present enough for everyone, um, my family, my friends, my boyfriend, um, work. I thought I was present. But something happened in December and I found myself going through the motions of suicide. Um, trigger warning, I'm gonna start right there. I know this is a very heavy topic. I want to respect people, um, what they've been through, certain traumas. So, um, yeah. So I remember the night that it happened, I was in the bathroom on the bathroom floor, thinking about everything that I could do to really leave this place. I knew that the things that I had, um, the tangible things that I had in certain places, uh, I did. Like I went through it in my mind, calculated things. Uh, and I remember when my body got up to take that action, something just, I'm not gonna say something, God told me, hey, calm down, listen to me. I need you to go lay down. I need you to just sit still and let me talk to you. And that's what I did. I remember it was almost as if I was watching myself walk to the bedroom. I don't remember anything. I just remember myself walking to the bedroom like I can, as if I was having an outer body experience of watching all that happen. And if you know me, you know that I like to sleep with the TV on because like silence is hard for me to deal with. Like I know that sounds crazy, but without the TV, I can hear every little thing and I need something to kind of distract me. That night the TV was on and I lay down, but for some reason the TV 
was as if it was on mute. I didn't hear anything. All I heard was God's voice talking to me, and I started to be played these memories in my head of like just um, from college with some of my best friends from high school, um, memories from my relationship, memories like of me enjoying life and me making people smile, doing good in this world and receiving that good as well. And I remember God just saying, go to sleep. This is not it. You'll be fine. Go to sleep. And the next morning, the next morning was a Sunday. I was going to church and the church was 35 minutes away. And I promise you, I cried 37 because it could it took me two minutes to get to the car. Like it just boohoo. Like it was as if I was releasing all this heavy stuff that was on me, right? Um, so yeah, I went through all of that. Thank God I'm on the other side of this plane. I get to experience life. I get to push forward. I'm blessed for sure. Thank God every day I'm learning to appreciate the smallest single thing of joy and peace and learning what happiness means and how it can come from those small things. Super blessed. Uh, But... I took some time and something told me, you need to be vulnerable. Like God, God told me like, some, you just need to speak, speak. And when you speak on it, you kind of release it. Um, and I did. And before I go any further, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I'm not going to cry on this podcast, but I just want to say thank you to Jalen. Thank you to Greedy. Thank you to Everlast, one of my friends, for checking on me. Thank you from the bottom, the bottom of my heart. God knows. Thank you. And I want to say, greeted the words that you said to me when you asked me, what's going on? Are you okay? That was the first time in my life where I tried to lie and say, yeah, but my lips, child, it just didn't work out that way. I boohooed. And I thank you for that because our conversation, it pushed me in a way that I needed. So I'm super blessed that you called. Thank you to my sister-in-law, Anna, who is Greedy's wife. Thank you so much for telling her to call and check on me. Thank you. And thank you, Jalen, for making sure you came by to see me and lay eyes on me and to make sure that I remembered what my support system is. Thank you. Um, And again, thank you to all my friends. Uh, But... I just knew I needed to be vulnerable. So I I still had work to do that week. (laughs) I don't know how I managed, but I still had to, um, I had to travel to Houston for work that week. And I think what made it so special, what made me okay to push through was that like one one of my campuses that I manage in Houston, I have a relative that goes there. She's, she attends there um, in third grade. I know, well, let me lay eyes on her. That'll add some peace to me. That'll that'll give me some joy. But I went the whole week with working and pushing through and pushing through. And something paused. Like, it hit me. No, 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 no. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You you cannot not allow yourself to not act as if none of that stuff happened. 
the very thing that you're trying to push through is the very thing that you need to take a break from because on top of all of the other stuff that was going on, work was the thing that I felt like I was obligated to do. I felt like I didn't have any option but to still go to work. And I'm not saying that my, my, my place of employment doesn't like promote certain stuff, but I think condition-wise, I think we are taught like you may go through some things, but you still got to get up. You got to get up and you got you got bills to pay. You got you got to move on. But I didn't want to do that anymore. I could not do that anymore. I have spent my entire life of working so hard and my entire childhood was working was I wanted to overwork myself. I tell people all the time, I don't think I really had a childhood. Didn't learn how to ride a bike. Like people were, I grew up in a, my household consisted of my uncle and my cousin who are 11 years older than me. Um, my grandmother was a nurse, hard worker nurse. My grandfather was a truck driver. So everyone was busy, everyone was occupied. So I found ways to like help my grandmother around the house, doing chores, worked. Work, I felt like I, you need to work to show that you are worthy. You need to work to show that you are capable. You need to work to show that like you are deserving. You got to work. You got to work to show your strength. That's what I've told myself. But for the first time, I felt God tell me, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. So I told people at my job what I was going through. I was super vulnerable. Um, my friend, Danielle, my coworker, Danielle, Every last one of my coworkers, my and my entire team, Ricardo, thank you so much. Like you guys, Amayeli, Trey, Harold, you guys really helped me understand that what I was speaking on was meaningful. I felt safe speaking on it. And I found the people that I manage and coach, I told them, all right, I'm not well. I know that I come here. And I bring joy to the spaces as I'm coaching, as I'm leading, because you guys deserve that. But right now, I'm not well, and I can't give that to you. And to see the amount of people that I see on the weekly basis open up to me and say, thank you for showing us that we could do that, too. Thank you for showing us that when something like this happens to us or something that we experience that is wearing us down, that someone in our place of employment is strong enough to say, y'all, I can't, I need to step back. And I think that response that I got, though, again, I'm still dealing, I'm still trying to recover as far as mentally, emotionally, I'm still trying to make sure that my eyes is on the prize, my eyes is on God, my eyes is on favor, my eyes is on everything I've been through, what I, what I can do, that's my focus. My focus right now is me. That's it. Um, but seeing that happen, and you too, Shadow. I'm sorry. He was like, what the hell you ain't done by me? But seeing that response happen, it made me say to myself, huh, you've always said to yourself, Darius, that any form of communication just might be a calling for you. Something about sharing stories with people, something about sharing truth with people, something about being um, willing 
to be a voice for people. Even when I was in college, I felt like, hmm, I, I can I can do this because there are some people out there that just don't feel like they can use their voice. I, I think I have the strength to do that. And to see my response, the response from people that I work with, it ushered me into saying, yeah, dog, like, push through this. And when you get through this, and as you're getting through this, you're going to make sure your light is not dim anymore. You're going to turn it up some. You got things to do. You got people to help. You got to go out. You got you got love to give. You got joy to give. You got to get to it. And you're going to get to it because this is what you're meant to do. And as you're meant to do it, that means you're already equipped with what you need to do it. That's why God told me to up, get up. He showed me everything that I needed to see to be reminded of. Oh, this is something that you've been doing. You have to do this. We need you here for this. And I went back to everything like my friends was telling me about, like, you should, you should. This is this is great. This you should do XYZ. People are. And I say that to say, I say all of that to say that. Oftentimes, for some reason, we allow work to get in the way of what we need to do or how we're feeling. And letting that one thing almost be what ran me deeper into the ground, but that one thing also being what reminded me like, no, you sometimes have to take a break from that. You have to. I know that we're taught that, you know, you got bills to pay. Who's going to pay them? That's so true. That is so true. That is so true. But let me tell you this. When we leave this place, when we leave this place, a bill is going to be owed. It is. If it ain't in your name, it's in somebody's name that you was helping. Somebody that you could have loaned some money to, some student loans, something, mortgages, cardinal insurance, house insurance, something is going to be owed. And for the first time, I said, I owe myself this time. And I took off three weeks. We had two weeks of winter break. I said, yeah, I'm going to go and be out a week early. So mm, thank you. But I need this time. Uh, and I just don't know. I don't know what it is about. I mean, I do. For especially for us as Black people, there are a lot of things that I can, you know, can cor correlate to why we view work the way that we do in terms of get up, sick or not, you got to go work. It's just we've worked so hard as a people without being seen as humans that oftentimes we think that we have to be Superman, Wonder Woman, robotic to really push through. And our parents and their parents and their great, great, great parents, it has been, we, we're just conditioned that way. And we're not taught to really pay attention to ourselves when we are going through those kind of things. Like I wasn't taught to be in tune with my mental health. I wasn't taught to be in tune when I'm having emotional breakdown. I wasn't taught to be in tune when my um, 
Like when I'm just in overload, I wasn't taught any of that. So I think what made it so hard for me to do and break through, like work was just that one that one thing that I could rely on to distract me from everything else. Um, There's a lot of things that were happening um, family-wise that I just wanted to like help out and do more of. Um, my health, as far as like, I haven't mentioned this, but like I have a damaged nerve somewhere. So I have to do MRIs now and, and scans to figure out exactly what a nerve is because like the nerves in my feet are suffering from whatever the damaged nerve is. Like it's painful sometimes, it's sore sometimes. So like it's even hard for me to to really walk sometimes because of whatever the nerve is, it's damaged somewhere. And I have to get that figured out. Um, relationship stuff was going through transition. We were, we were experiencing uh, uh, a tough spot. And I felt like I just didn't have control or insight on what my life could be or was going to be for the first time in a long time. And I'm, I'm, I know I play around a lot. I know I may say some words, but I'm you, I do not play about my relationship with God. But for the first time, I felt like, man, all of this stuff is happening. You got to be disappointed, God, somewhere, because this ain't, this is tough. This is something, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And I just had to take a step back. From that one thing that I was that I assumed was going to be what I used to escape, and everything else just unfolded. It's been unfolding since then, you know. So we're gonna take a break and come. So you're probably thinking, how did he record his podcast and put it out so fast? That was overnight. Yeah, it was. Because I use Anchor by Spotify. It's a super user-friendly platform that lets you record your podcast and then puts it out on Spotify because, duh, it's by Spotify. But you can also put it on Apple and Google Podcasts. But what makes it better? You can track your listeners all in this one platform. Download it on Apple or go to the browser and start now. So we are back from my first advertisement. So I know the topic is the workplace. That's what we're talking about. And how for some reason the workplace has a, a chokehold on us uh, as a people. And the condition that place or that environment has on us in, in terms of we don't think that we can receive grace from our coworkers, our managers to be humans. But I think that says less about us as a people, but more so about the, the work culture especially in the United States when, I mean, this country was built on just horrendous acts of labor. And we will get to you 
at a later episode. And I'm talking about you, United States of America. Yes, you. I will get to you soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as a country, we just don't do, we don't do a good job with making sure that we educate one another on the resources that we have available in the workplace, nor do we make it a safe environment for people to speak that level of truth and vulnerability. Because a part of me was also like, man, if I tell people, then I'm taking a break because I had severe suicide contemplation yeah, you may not have a job because they're going to be like, yeah, you're not in, in the best condition to work. But I thank God that was something that I could do. Um, and my team was basically fine with me doing it. And they gave me the amount of grace that I needed. I'm not going to say needy because I still would have... <laughs> I still would have took a a step back uh, (laughs) if I didn't receive it, but I needed something in me needed that because I think that was the reminder that sharing my experience and sharing my vulnerability, that's really important. And I think that's the one thing that connects us as people. But more importantly, what I can say, and before I go into to detail, I want to give a shout out to um, a few people that kind of taught me some things about the workplace environments, right? To kind of give me the courage to speak my truth, the courage to like make sure I do what's best for me at all times. Um, James has always taught me to like make sure you do what's best for you, go in there, but make sure like you know that it's impossible for us to leave what we're going through at home because we spend so much time in our workplace. He's always talking that. Jasmine, Karen, and Diana, and you know where you work. <laughs> you know where we work together, ma'am. <laughs> but thank y'all three, three amazing black women at that. Y'all, each of y'all taught me how it feels to have a support system in the workplace that saw you as a human being that that was showing up to to use your talents, your skill, and that even with doing all of that, you may have some other shit going on. And they taught me how to not be, be afraid of someone that was layered even while in those workplaces, that those workspaces. Lastly, thank you to, to Trey. Trey, my homie, my coworker from my current organization. Jasmine, and y'all probably thinking like the other Trey. No, not that Trey, but shout out to that Trey that y'all probably were thinking about. But no, um, Trey, thank you so much for like just making sure that I took the time and you told me, oh no, use all that time. <laughs> no, absolutely. We if we all work, be off work. Like don't worry about any of that stuff. So thank you so much for that 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 constant reminder. But what I was going to say is for me personally, from my personal experience, 
I resorted to overworking myself a lot of times in life, whether it was in relationships, at work, friendships, or whatever, school, whatever. Because somewhere in my childhood, I needed to be everything for everyone. I'm not saying that was something that was, you know, placed on me intentionally, but somewhere down the line, I needed to be everything for everyone. And it's carried over in a lot of places. And it has allowed me to be in a position of, well, if I'm not in these workplaces, then how can I be everything to them? They need me. Right? Like, because before everything happened, technically I was able to somewhat, somewhat escape some of the things that was going on personally in my relationship. Nothing that was toxic. So I don't want y'all to try to put two and two together and end up getting five because you're going to be wrong as hell. But the things that I was going through there that we had to, to figure out, I was able to kind of like take a step back from that somewhat. Um, I was able to kind of opt out of some of the family things that I wanted to insert myself and help. I was able to opt out from that. But I didn't see any way that I could opt out from work. I didn't see a route for me to to take that step back because uh, I don't know. Like it, I just saw that as the one thing. Well, you ain't got no choice. You, you ain't got no choice. You just push through. All you can do is let that be the one thing that distracts you from everything else. But that's about the only choice you have. Other than that, get your ass up, put on that face, get on that meeting, coach, lead, guide, train, do whatever you got to do. But you can't let you, you can't put that aside. Uh, and I took that to heart. Like I woke up in the mornings knowing that I had people who were counting on me. I, I couldn't. I couldn't let them down. And I'm a I'm an empath. So what the things that I see my team going through, I I carry that. Like I want to make sure they feel like they have someone advocating for them, someone that's going to give them tools they need to be successful. Because again, I work in education and every single element in education is So I take that serious. But I was still forgetting about, but you count on you too. What you gonna like, what are you going to do right now? Because you were really looking back at it, I was on, I was headed in that direction because I was suppressing so much. And I just didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to name it. I didn't know how to really, really be raw with it. And I'm in therapy. So been in therapy, been in therapy. So that just to let you know, like even when you're in therapy, you still have things that you may not feel comfortable with saying until, until like you just 
I have no choice. Um, yeah. And even when I tell my therapist, he, I, I love him so much. And ironically, he is, um, he's a white man, a white gay man, but he gets me. He truly, 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 truly gets me better than my last one. Um, who was a, he, he played too much. He used to joke to try to get me into, uh, like wanting to disclose some stuff. And that was the point, like, Hey, did you know that you always tell jokes before I tell my, tell like what I need help with? Can you stop doing it? And then he made a joke when I asked him to not do that. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give you your last check because you ain't getting it, dog. So that was a sidebar. So if you're out there and you trying to find the right therapist, it sometimes it takes time. Don't give up because I had to to put mine back on the Psychology Today app and say, we tried. We gave it our best shot and found the perfect one for me. But yes, so even in therapy, we started to kind of go through some things and it started to bring up this, this, this heavy load that I've always carried around just, I don't know how to not be a hero, if that makes sense. I don't know how to not, am I saying that right? I don't know how, yeah, I'm saying that right. I always think about how can I be a support system for people first? How can I, how can I carry what they're carrying? How can I put, what they're going through on my shoulders. How can I give them words of wisdom? How can I show up for them? I, it's always been away from me as a child. I remember one time um, my aunt, um, she was expecting, she was expecting my little cousin. She offered to, she offered to put me in camp. I want to say it was, one of the camps sponsored by YMCA or boys and couldn't have been boys and girls because they never really had no money in our area. So I'm going to say it was YMCA. And the first thing that I did, and I never forget when I made this comment, my uncle, who was 11 years older than me, he made some joke about it. But to me, it made sense. Like I, I knew my aunt was expecting she was about to have a child. She was also not working at the time. And I just didn't want her to put that on her. Like I was like, no, it's fine. Uh, I don't need you to 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 do that on you know such and such. I'm not gonna say her name. I don't need you to do that. I found other ways to like you know be active during the summer. I just didn't want her to put that on her if she was going through all of that. I felt like I can find other ways to help you instead. You're going through something. I can help you instead. Like seeing my grandmother come home, um, working two jobs at a time sometime while working double shift. I always felt like, well, if my grandmother is working this hard, let me at least try to take care of the house and duties. Like when I learned how to cook, that was it. I was I was cooking. Whatever she said to take out, I would make sure I at least knew how to cook it. And I started to make the meals. If the house needed to be clean, that's what I did. I, if you know, if she needed something before work, like if she needed to, I also earned my allowance by like um ironing my my grandmother's shrubs, child, ironing shrubs. 
Yeah, I used to iron her scrubs, and my grandfather, I used to iron his clothes. And now that I think about it, he was a truck driver in a truck, 95% of the time. I don't know why I was ironing his clothes, but that's how I earned my allowance. So I would just do stuff. I felt like I needed to work. I needed to work. I, this is this is good. This is how you show that you are, um, that you're capable, you're intelligent. This is how you show you are worthy of receiving these nice things. You are worthy of um, affection. This is how you... This is how you gain um, uh, uh, recognition. This is this is how you do the things. So I took that in my in my adulthood. Like that's all I knew how to do. I only know how to really just go and uh, kind of work and show that I can be deserving of things, or to overwork myself to show that. I can be a hero. I can. I, I got you. You good. But I was never taught how to be that for me. Okay. And, and again, and this is this is not saying there was something that's intentional because a lot of us. I'm pretty sure as you're listening, a lot of y'all are also probably people who just wasn't taught how to really pay attention to your own feelings. You know how many times. We heard the word, that's selfish, that's selfish, that's selfish, ooh, that's selfish, you want to do that's it. But there is an other side of that word, especially when it comes to our emotional intelligence, our self-awareness, that we need to be taught. And we just, we weren't taught that balance. And as someone who took that into the workplace, now more than ever, that work-life balance means something to me. It means something to me more than ever. Uh, and really and truly, like even, even that, it's layers to that too. Because when I was in college, well, I'm telling y'all, oh, my little story. This is, this is, and I'm, I wrote a book that has yet to be published. And this is also in the book. Uh, but when I was in college, it was a very emotional time. So as you can see, I was always been somebody that kind of dealt with an up and down of depression, emotional trauma, all this stuff. Uh, when I was in college, that was the first shock to me. Like, oh, whew, all right, this is different. This is things are not coming as easy as they did in high school. Okay, um, great. So I had to like kind of navigate that space. Um, I had like a lot of insecurities at that time um, from not from the result of relationship, but being in a relationship at that age, it kind of made it aware, made me aware of them. Uh, dealing with that, dealing a lot with the loss of friends, trying to gain new friends, all this stuff. My academics was a roller coaster. Now, if you listen, if you know me personally, you know intelligence is something that I do not lack in any kind of way. It is never an issue for me to learn something and to read you on something read you in multiple ways. Like that ain't, this never been a problem. Never been a problem. But I was seeing that it impacted by my emotions, what I was going through. Um, And it got to a point where like financially, I had to like financially and academically, I had to sit out. I sat out for like 18 months, I think. Set up for 18 months. And now when I was going through it, I was like, oh, all right, Jesus, Jesus. I, I came to college to get a good career, but it's a lot of things going on. Can that still happen? 
oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You may not, you may not have a fruitful career. Things are, things are shaky. Things are shaky here. What am I going to do? And I went to my advisor, you little whore. I went to my advisor, not even, she wasn't my advisor. Actually, she was just like a professor in the department because my main advisor was amazing. Shout out to Cheryl. She, she was always supportive. So I went to this um, department person talking about like what my plan was to, you know, to, to get back and everything. And I told her like my dreams, I wanted to, I wanted to, to get my master's. I wanted to get my doctorate. I wanted to be the first male in a family to do those things. She told me, Darren, I kind of don't know if, um, to be quite honest with you, 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 you may, you may not be able to get your master's with these kind of grades. I don't, I think what we need to think about right now is what we can do to get you out of here. And maybe, you know, masters are not for everyone. Words, words, words from her, words from her. And look at you now, ma'am. Look at you now. I have my master's and get in sack when I'm going to get a doctorate. Look at you now. Look at you now. Whore. Trifling. You should not be trying. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to because I, I got some words from her later on. So I took all of that. Uh, something inside me say, okay, Shardy, you know what you're talking about. But also, like, as I kind of got into the workplace, blessed, highly favored, I was shown, like, okay, you can do this. That didn't, that didn't take you out the game. You can do this. But on the other end of that, I've always overworked myself because a part of that has still been in the back of my mind. Like, you're not supposed to be here. Do you know what, did you know how your undergrad looked? It was horrible. You're not supposed to be in these spaces. So, uh, again, I'm having to, I'm feeling like I have to overwork my, I got to work super, super hard to show that I'm supposed to be here. I'm worthy of this. I'm worthy of this promotion. I'm worthy of this title. I can do all of the things. Oh, sure. I can do that. Absolutely. Oh, I can help you with that too. Oh, yeah. I can I, I can do all of the things. I can be all of the things for y'all. What, what, what does my team need? I can be the team leader at all times. I took that on to the workplace. And I didn't establish or I didn't really know that in the midst of all of that, I was supposed to also kind of be looking and figuring out what a work-life balance is. And I know I'm still young. I know I got time. I turned 30 this year. I know I got time, right? But with all of that being something that I was going through, that was the one thing that I think I could have used, I could have used, I could have used, first of all, I could have used therapy early on, child. Let's start at like maybe age 16. That would have been great. But I could have used therapy early on in my 20s to kind of help me figure that out now, um, me back then, to maybe avoid some stuff like, you know, like what I went through. I know everything has a purpose. Everything works out the way it's supposed to work out. Glory to God. I know that's how it's supposed to be. But I want, I want to encourage, I want to encourage all of us. Though we have aspirations, though we have goals, though we have obligations that are tied to our careers, that are tied to our places of employment, um, don't, don't place that above who you are as a human as a human being. 
as someone that feels, as someone that carries um, different loads of things, right? As someone that basically can, there's a lot of things that influence our behavior that we don't oftentimes get a chance to dissect. All of that needs attention. And where I am now in my life, I'm focusing on just that. Like I, I cannot allow myself to be betrayed by myself any longer when it comes to not having balance in my life or putting or keeping rather, not putting, keeping these expectations over myself that may came from insecurities, that may came from just childhood conditioning. I am solely focusing on undoing a lot of that and making sure that I'm giving myself the grace that I need to push through, to give myself the space that I need to evaluate how I'm feeling, to, to, to think about what I really want to do, to think about what really brings me happiness, what, what, what gives me that joy. And a lot of that work, it's not, it's not going to be external. It's not. I'm learning that now. Like a lot of the things that I thought was making me happy, that I that I thought was like, you know, adding joy to my life, it's not. Some of it, yeah, but a lot of it, no, it's not really. And I, I'm happy that I'm finding that out because that means if it comes from within me, that means the external things have less influence on it. So when I go through these things, what's in me, let me tap into that. Let me tap into that. If if I relied on some of the things external, oh, my, 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 wouldn't be able to sustain happiness. And happiness, that's something that it's a, it's a constant journey, right? But as far as like, at least having it in reach, having joy and reach, having peace and reach. I'm doing the work now. I'm balancing my time out now to focus on all of that, um, which is super important. I know people are like, oh, Darius, you say you want to socialize, but you ain't never out. I'm out. I promise y'all, I, I be out. I'm, I'm, I'm going out more. I'm getting out more. But right now, that's not the main priority. The main priority is making sure that I'm paying attention to how I feel and how and what I'm doing or what I want to do. I don't want to force anything just because of an expectation, whether for myself or whether from anyone else. If in the moment I'm feeling like, I think I just want some me time, that's what I'm going to do. Because to me, that's the balance that I need. If I'm in a workplace, and I know I can't afford to take on anything else. I know I can't afford to do something that somebody's asking me to. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm sorry. Not even I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't have the capacity to do that right now. I've been saying it a lot since I've been back. Yeah, I don't have the capacity to do that right now. I can let you know when I do have it, though. Can I get back with you? Great. But right now, in the season, in the season that I am in, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that God is revealing to me that's attainable, that's tangible, like it's, it's within reach. 
I just need to sit still in this season and make sure I'm in a space to receive it, to be able to like be a good steward over it, to to not lose myself in it, to mentally, emotionally prepare for it. That's it. And having that balance is super important. If you're at a, a place of employment that make you feel like you're a robot, that you can't have feelings, I highly encourage you. I highly encourage you. I'm so people oriented. Shout when they be saying team and family and be playing. No, I really mean that. I'm listen. I care about the people before I care about the work because you can't do the work if you ain't coming in here in your best self. I never understood that. So if you working for somebody that make you feel like you have to just put everything aside and not be someone as you know layered, complex human being like everybody else is. Try to find you something else. Don't leave without a job. I ain't saying do that. I ain't saying, you know, I just quit my job. Uh, no, none of that. But try to find you a place where you can get a good feel for them caring for you as a person and seeing you as a person. Go after that work-life balance that you need to take care of yourself first. Because if anything, if anything happened to us, I promise you that that requisition will be up as soon as the exit ticket is done and they can get approved for whatever salary budget that they can offer at the time of the backfilling. It, it, it will be up within 48 hours, if possible. If your manager does what he or she needs to do, it'll be up. It'll be up before the wake. It'll be up before the funeral. It'll be up before you're even out of the... It'll be up. So take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. I know often a lot of us are chasing so many dreams because in my particular generation, we see access, a lot of things that our parents didn't have access to. We see a life that uh, we have, we would have wanted to live as kids, right? Like we see it, it's in our reach, but don't, don't tire yourself out because you're overworking yourself and you're not taking breaks. And you're not paying attention. You are deserving of rest. You are deserving of balance. You are deserving of that. You are. There's a, a, a there's a, a, a scripture in the Bible. I want to say um, uh, Isaiah forty one ten. I want to say I could be wrong. Um, I'm, I think it's no, it's not forty one ten. No, 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 no. Um, Isaiah 40, 40, 30, 31. Isaiah 40, 31, Yes. Um, where it talks about, you know, trusting in the Lord and you will have your strength renewed. You'll be able to run and not get weary. You'll be able to walk and not faint. Oh, yeah, it is Isaiah 40, 31. That's it. It came back to me as I was saying it. But I pray that, that over you. I hope that's something that you can lean on to because it's super important. Is we are in a marathon, not a race. I'm telling myself that now, which is why I'm okay with missing out on some on certain things right now because I'm not racing to moments when it's a marathon of moments, a marathon of things for me to experience. What is for me is for me. What's for me to experience, who I need to experience, I will experience. I am aiming to run and not get weary and walking and not fainting. I need my strength renewed daily, daily daily you understand um 
So I wish that for you too. Another one that I know you're like, how he go from all this? And now he talking about multifaceted. Deal with it. Um, Ecclesiastes 8, 14 through 16 talks about life is hard. There's a lot of things we can't understand. We'll understand. We don't have the full answers. We don't have the 100% of wisdom because we're not God. We're not Jesus. Have fun. Enjoy people. And just enjoy. Enjoy what you can because surely there's, there's a lot of things that we can't understand. So take that with you. Um, thank y'all again for listening. I know it's been a lot. We will continue to, to go into a lot. But attend in. Have a good one. Mwah.